Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. All right. Uh, keep it locked here to KTAR News. Download that KTAR News app. When these stories break, you'll be you get notified on your device. You can listen live. We are expecting a national press conference at any moment uh, regarding the shooting in Nashville that has killed, apparently killed three children. And uh, the suspect is reported dead, but we are awaiting an update in a press conference nationally. When that happens, we will carry it live. So it could happen at any moment. So make sure you download that KTAR News app. You'll be notified it's happening and you can listen from your device. Vice. Until we get there, um, until we get more information, let's get back to a topic. Uh, here's the headline. Retirement funds for teachers, firefighters are caught up in ESG crossfire. Now, ESG is environmental. Um, it, it is it is environmental restrictions. So it talks about investing people's retirement accounts based on what I would call politically correct or woke investing. And um, it is uh, – Dif- it, to me, it's the environmental, the social, the, the governance, the, the idea that um, someone is going to look at your retirement account and invest it based on their um, their green score scares me. It bothers me. I want the person that invests my money to invest my money in the value of the company and its a- ability to grow and make money. But this is all a part of a bigger issue. Um, we are we are this administration has sprinted toward a greener policy. I don't have an issue with people that consider themselves environmentalists, but you have to do it rationally. You have to do it. Um, you have to do it in a way that isn't uh, killing the average American, and Americans are paying for this. Uh, NPR issues a correction after claiming there was limited scientific evidence that men have a physical advantage in sports. We have gotten to a place with this political correctness in our world, and where this plays into investing has to do with the social aspect of some of these things. That who would have ever thought if I said that um, men can't get pregnant, if I said that um, – that somehow there would be people that would complain and call me angry um, that um, that that uh, you can't be anatomically a male and be called a woman um, that outrages people now that uh, there was a, a question. Someone was being questioned on Capitol Hill recently, and I know it's happened more than once. And someone was asked, can men get pregnant? And this person said yes. And when the questioner actually laughed at the answer, they were largely criticized. This to me is part of a bigger issue, a bigger problem. Um, we just celebrated National Women's Month, and part of what was happening was a male, anatomically male, that identifies as a female, was honored as the Woman of the Year. Um, I believe it was Caitlyn Jenner who was honored as Woman of the Year her first year as a woman. First year as a woman. Um, women have a difficult time. Equal pay is a big issue. Um, I'm fortunate. I work around a lot of very talented, very smart women. And I've been, you know, my mother's been my hero since I was a little kid. She worked her butt off to raise three kids by herself. So there is a difference between physical strength and strength. If you want to ask me which one is the more emotionally strong um, of the genders, if I'm going to generalize, I would say women are stronger than men. That's just been my experience, that women are more responsible. Women are the ones that say they don't have the luxury of saying, I I can't raise three kids. I can't afford three kids. They have three kids. At least my mother did. She did not have the... The luxury of saying, I can't afford these kids. And she had to raise us on her own. 
I have two girls. I've got two nieces. I have a sister-in-law that's the sister I've never had uh, who is a police officer. She's a sheriff's deputy in my hometown. So uh, the idea that I'm anti-woman because I am saying that you have to be female to be a woman is ridiculous to me. But that's a social issue. That's a an opinion issue. That's a you're just an old guy issue. Um, that I think that the whole question about restrooms is a question that's about uh, comfort. And I wonder whose comfort wins out. Um, that to me is a social issue. When we're talking about these investments, these ESG investments, it's not just on the social part of things, but there's environmental things that are considered here, governance. And when you see this happening, you start seeing a politically correct movement and how your dollars would be invested for future. This one says teachers and firefighters, police officers. If, if governments decide we are going to, we are going to prop up these organizations and businesses by investing in them and they fold, those pensions go south. And so here we are on one hand saying that the Silicon Valley Bank, the, the, the Silicon Valley Bank needed to make better investments. And where were the regulators and why weren't the rules enforced? And I get every single word of that. Every single word of that makes sense to me. But here we are saying that about the private banks that may have made investments that weren't the wisest in the world. And we've got government entities, including the federal government and our president, that wants to do the exact same thing by mandate with the federal government, with federal pensions. State governments want to do it. It, it, It's a scary proposition. You have every right to believe and live the life you want. I'm not making fun of anyone. But we are now talking about the investment of tax dollars, in many cases, into the pensions of public servants. We're on the hook for that as taxpayers and their futures, their financial futures, the people that work in these industries. You know, the one thing that a teacher or a cop or a firefighter looks back on and says, I didn't go out and make as much money as I could have. But what I did do was serve my time serving my community, and now I'm going to be cared for with a pension for the rest of my life and medical care and the other things that come with it. It's a trade-off that as citizens we think is a great trade-off, at least I do. We take care of the men and women that take care of us. You risk your life for your working life. Your family watches you go to work where you're running into danger while other people are running from it. And they wait, you know, they stay up nights and wonder about that knock at the door and the possibility of being injured or for firefighters getting cancer as part of your job. That when you get to retirement, you should be cared for. Now, if the governments are now investing that money in what would be considered to be suspect in a financial way because it's a politically correct thing to do, that scares the heck out. Of me. Absolutely scares the heck out of me. Uh, we are still awaiting the starting of that press conference that could be happening any minute. I apologize. We don't have an exact time for it, but we will be going to this Nashville press conference as soon as it happens. It will be an update of the school shooting at a Christian school in the Nashville area in which three students are confirmed dead. The shooter is uh, also dead, but we are waiting for an updated report. Um, coming up in just a moment, we're going to talk about schools and chronic ab- absenteeism unless this press conference begins, which we will go to as soon as it happens. It's all coming up here in just a couple of moments. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right, as you, uh, we are tossing over right now. Let's go to the press conference in Nashville. About the fire department's actions in regard to this morning's call. Uh, this is going to be a brief update as to what has occurred. There will be more from this 
spot later uh, in the morning with Chief John Drake and others. At 10.13 this morning, the police department received a call of an active shooter inside Covenant School, Covenant Presbyterian Church. The police department response was swift. Officers entered the first story of the school, began clearing it. They heard shots coming from the second level. They immediately went to the gunfire. When the officers got to the second level, they saw a shooter, a female, who was firing. The officers engaged her. She was fatally shot by responding police officers. There was a five-member team who was on the, that was on the second floor at that time. Two individuals from that five-member team opened fire on the shooter. We know at this point that this shooter is a female. Uh, she appears to be in her teens, although her identification has not been confirmed at this juncture. We know that she was armed with at least two assault-type rifles and a handgun. We are efforting now to identify her. She entered the school through a side entrance and traversed her way from the first floor to the second floor, firing multiple shots. We now know that there are three students who were fatally wounded, as well as three adults inside the school. We are working to identify those victims, including the shooter. A total of seven persons were killed as a result of this morning's incident at the school. By 1027, the shooter was deceased. The officers had engaged the shooter by 1027, and she was deceased. Again, I said the first call came in at 1013 this morning. We'll have more details to give you later in the morning. Chief Drake will be here in a bit. Now Kendra Loney from Nashville Fire. Fire department crews are dispatched for active shooter incidents as well um, for medical support, but also for an RTF response, which is a rescue task force response to go in alongside of uh, MNPD response. Um, our crews were right there on the scene to provide medical aid to any survivors, um, but also be there uh, for victims so that we could try life-saving efforts um, in this case. So we went in as soon as it was safe for our responders to do so to try to provide life-saving efforts for those that were impacted uh, by this incident and this tragedy. Um, our crews were able to be on scene to pull out those that had viable signs of life, um, those that were still showing uh, the option for to be saved. Um, and we did make transport of three uh, individuals and three children and then uh, um, two adults that were taken from the scene. Um, our crews then set up a reunification unit. That reunification unit is at 2100 Woodmont Boulevard. That's where parents can go uh, to be reunited with their children. Uh, all of the remaining students were able to be escorted out of the building with faculty and staff. Um, we're not sure about the processes that they had in place, but we were on scene to help them mitigate anyone from seeing exactly uh, 
what else was going on, but we're sure that they heard the chaos that was surrounding this. Um, so we do have mental health specialists and professionals that are at that reunification site for both the students and the families that are going to be affected by this today. Uh, our OEM uh, units were able to provide buses to make transport from the Covenant School to the reunification site. We had one bus that carried 74 students and faculty staff members to the unification reunification site and an additional bus that had 34 students on them. So all of those persons were carried. Um, it was difficult for us to kind of identify who was just there as part of staff for the church versus who was there for uh, the school because it's all housed in one building. Um, but at this time, we were able to get that number of persons transported out of the building um, and into that reunification site. So that is where parents can go to be reunited with their students. There is a hotline being set up for parents to call, um, but right now that is where they should go, 2100 Woodmont Boulevard, which is Woodmont Baptist Church. Um, additionally, we do have a debriefing site set up for on-staff or personnel who are working this incident, um, and there are mental health professionals set up there for them as well. Um, there was one police officer that was injured with a, ha a hand injury um, as a result of making uh, an attack on this uh, incident. But other than that, that have been no additional um, injuries to first responders or personnel responding to this. And as uh, Don mentioned earlier, we will have further updates coming uh, later on in the afternoon. So on a typical day, there would be about 209 students inside the school and approximately 40 to 50 staff members, about 42 staff members. I'll take just a couple of questions uh, before we go back. Clear. So the seven dead, and then nature of injuries, how many injured do you know? Maybe you're being treated still or injuries. I know the first responders were. An officer had uh, a wound from cut glass. That is the only other injury that I'm aware of. Do we know if the injuries of the students are they critical or to another condition? The three students are deceased. The three students who were shot are deceased. Three staff members who were shot are deceased. Uh, that's a total of six victims. And then you have the shooter who was engaged by two of our police officers, part of a five-member team, and she is deceased for a total of seven individuals. There are no other gunshot victims, non-lethal, that I'm aware of at present. Do you know how many people were shot? Do you know how many people were shot before the police engaged the shooter? No. Did you know if they shot anyone after they engaged the shooter? Do you know if the shooter was able to shoot anyone else? Does the shooter have any connection to the school that we know of? We do not know who she is at this juncture. We're trying to identify her. Uh, she does appear to be in her teens. Uh, again, with two assault-type rifles and at least one pistol. Do we know if there was a lie in suffering this missing incident that the police had come to the school or the church? No, I'm not. Was there an SRO or an SSO in the school? No, this is a church uh, that operates a private school. There was no Metro Police personnel assigned to that building at any time. John, do you know if either the two adults that were shot maybe confronted the gun? You said two? Yeah, the, the adults that were no, shot. No, there are a total of three adults. Three adults. Three adults who have been fatally wounded. Okay, one of them being the shooter? No. No, okay, so three total. Do you so know let, me, let me go over this again. You have a total of six victims. 
three students who are deceased, and three adult staff members from the school who are deceased. The shooter herself makes seven. Do you know if one of the three adults maybe confronted her? I do not. All right, you've been listening to a press conference in Nashville, Tennessee, regarding a shooting at a private school. It's a church acting as a private school. Um, it is uh, three adults have been killed, three students have been killed, and the shooter has been killed by police. The call went out at 10.13 a.m. They say that they engaged and took out the shooter at 10.27. Uh, so that's 14 minutes from the time that they got the call, they got on scene, they found the shooter and engaged. It was a team of five officers that engaged. We're going to talk more about this shooter, the uniqueness of it being a female that's been identified, unidentified, and we'll also talk about what we know up to this point. Right now, that is the culmination of the press conference. We'll have reactions coming your way next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Oh, what a what a difficult day. Um, it brings back memories for me for Sandy Hook. And when we got notification at that time, I was doing afternoons and uh, notification in the morning that there was a shooting at an elementary school. And then as the death toll was being read off and we ended up finding out it was an entire classroom full of children, it was a devastating announcement. And that's all I can think of now is during the press conference that we just had here, um, that we carried here at KTAR, um, the fire department talked about the process of reunification of families and how the children. And so you think, put yourself in the position of a parent for a moment that you get that text message, you get that phone call that terrifies everyone that something like this has happened at your school. Now, we're talking about a very small school uh, that is a church, actually a Presbyterian church that acts as a private school. And uh, you get a notification that something like this has happened. And then you are one of three parents, by the way, because there were three children that were killed in this. And you find out that it was one of your children. And how do you find out? I know that at Sandy Hook, when they had the children identified, parents were separated when they were the parents of a child that had been killed. And eventually, those parents had to realize, hey, all of us have kids in the same classroom. And they had to know that they were just waiting for the inevitable. Um so the call went out at 10.13 a.m. This is according to Nashville PD. The call went out at 10.13, and at 10.27, they say that they took out the suspect. It was a five-member team of the Nashville Police Department that entered the ground floor of the school. They heard shooting on the second floor. They made their way to the second floor. It was a, a female shooter, which is odd in these situations, but it was a female shooter who appeared to be a teenager. They don't have her identified, but they say, she appeared to be very young. Now, they don't know what her exact age is, but it appeared to be a teenager that had two rifles and a handgun. They took out, they they neutralized, they shot and killed the shooter in this. We have three kids and three adults are dead as victims. That's six victims that are dead. And if you include the shooter, that makes seven people killed. That's what we know so far uh, about what's happened in Nashville. We'll get, they're awaiting identification of the shooter. And from that identification, maybe they can find out some kind of motive. Uh, that's all going to be for down the road. Another question here for me, and I think we'll get into this maybe in the in the next coming you know 24 hours or so um, I'm going to reach out to my friends as I always do my friends the hoopers uh, to talk about this 
because, you know, my friend Steve Hooper is with the FBI or was with the FBI for over 30 years, and they have a company. Him and his wife have formed a company to advise small schools, school districts, and corporations on these kind of security issues. And part of it is making a plan and also people owning threats. We don't know if this person had any affiliation with this school whatsoever yet. We don't know uh, what connection the shooter might have with the school. Um, could this be a random thing? But how does somebody with two rifles and a handgun get into this property? I'm not laying blame of the people at the church, not at all. But the question remains – do you have a choke point of entry? Do you have – what do you do for, for security? What do you do to make sure that uh, you're doing everything you can? There are some things that are unpreventable. We understand that. But what's being done – for the uh, you know for the highest level of security that you can have and that's going to be the first question for me will be motive we find out more about this shooter if it is let's say it is in fact someone that is a teenager um what could motivate somebody that young to have that much hate in their heart? If you remember, much like Sandy Hook, it was a young man who um, wasn't supposed to have those guns anyway. He took his mother, stole his mother's firearms, actually murdered his mother and took his mother's firearms and went to Sandy Hook Elementary and committed that shooting. But this was someone that was uh, violently mentally ill. Um, parents knew it. Family knew it. Everybody knew it that was involved with this young man. But nobody could have known that he was going to do that. And then take his own life. We don't know anything about this shooter as of yet, but more information will be coming soon. Uh, so again, if you're just joining us, it was a Christian school, a Presbyterian church acting as a private school in Nashville. Call went out at 10.13 a.m. local time. This would be time in Nashville. And at 10.27, they say they engaged and then took out, shot and killed the shooter. Three students have been killed. Now, this is a school that's preschool through sixth grade. So three very young children were killed. Three adults. We don't know if they were teachers or who they were. Three adults were also killed killed and the seventh person killed was the shooter herself. That is the uniqueness of this, or I would say the anomaly in this, is it's a young woman that was the shooter. They said she appeared to be a teenager. She has not been identified. They don't know what her connection to the school is. She had two rifles and a handgun. How you get those on a campus, I have no clue. Um, and it was a five-member team from the Nashville PD. So um, a couple of things. Uh, just kind of a points of observation. One is um, law enforcement, like the military, learns from the actions of other people. They do an excellent job of doing that. Unfortunately, we know what happened in Texas. We know what happened in South Florida at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School, where law enforcement failed to engage. And the tragedy that followed their lack of engagement, it seems in this case as if the Nashville PD did what we know would happen and other PDs have done the same thing. We've had Phoenix PD speak out on this and um, – and, and so I think that this is a, a, a learning lesson that agencies understand because it changed. It was because of these shootings that this policy had changed going back to the Virginia Tech shooting years and years ago where the old way of policing was you, when you have a live or a situation like this, you set up a perimeter so that that person cannot escape and you wait for SWAT or SAU, whatever you want to call it, and back up to get there and then you form a plan and you take care of business. 
But in the Virginia Tech case, what you were hearing was police chatter on the radios as they were setting up this perimeter. And in the background, you could hear the gunfire from the shooter as they were just indiscriminately and and uh, without any resistance shooting and killing people. So the policies of law enforcement have changed. It is no longer about officers uh, safety in an active shooter situation. Now in an active shooter situation, it is neutralize the threat. And it is there. You risk your life. There is no holding back. There is no waiting for backup. When you're on scene, take your firepower with you and engage. And it looks as if in this case, a five man team from the Nashville PD entered that building and took care of business. And I don't want to be callous, but you have a shooter that's taking out children and adults at a, at a Presbyterian school and the police did what they had to do. And it looks like they did that fairly quickly in the time frame. If the call goes out at 1013 and 14 minutes later, the suspect is dead. Uh, you've got to allow for response time to get on scene, then to f- get in that formation of a five-person team, then to locate that suspect as they went into the ground floor and heard shooting on the second floor to make their way up to the second floor and take out the shooter. That is a pretty quick response. And uh, so kudos, at least prelim- preliminarily, to the Nashville PD. So that's what we know so far. Um, just a reminder to, na- to download that KTAR news app. Because um, as information comes in on a horrible story like this, but news across the country, locally and across the world, uh, you'll get updated live on your device. And it's just a way for you to uh, stay informed. And unfortunately, today, big news story, but a sad, sad news day. Uh, Coming up in a moment, I've got some observations about the United States Senate that I share with a name you're going to recognize. We'll do this coming up here in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. I want to help you, I guess, uh, invite you to help us make a difference in our community. We started something called the Action Alliance, and we'd love for you to be a part of it. We'll just notify you whenever we're doing community service projects. We'll have them all set up for you. You come to the ones that you can. It's just that simple. If you want to be on the list to find out what we're doing to make our community a better place, just text the word ACTION to 411 We'll even send you a free T-shirt while supplies last. So text ACTION to 411-923. Updates as they come in about the shooting in Nashville, and that will be coming up here in just a little while. Um, I chose this topic today because John Stewart, who I think is – even if I don't agree with people politically sometimes, I think if they're talented, if they're funny, funny is funny, clever is clever. And when somebody is able to take the world and set it on its ear and see a different perspective on a, something we all see, they just see it from a different angle, I have a lot of respect for that. And John Stewart is one of those guys. Um, I just want to read the beginning of this. A comedian and political commentator, John Stewart, joked that the U.S. Senate is like an assisted living facility. He said our country is held together by hundreds of really talented legislative aides, Stewart said. Uh, their bosses many times are wind-up dolls. If you go down there, especially the Senate, it's like an assisted living facility. Um I will tell you that that's – I think that that is a problem throughout American politics. Let me say this. Uh, there are many brilliant people that are older in age. There's no doubt about that. This is not – I'm not being ageist here. But when you see people staying well beyond the time that they really need to stay in any 
career. Um, if you look at what happens, it's it's difficult. Uh, athletes are the ones that come to mind because you know the the peak for an athlete is a much younger age to be at a world class level. Um, you look at uh, a Deion Sanders who is coaching now, Coach Prime. That was a guy in his when he was in his prime, not just Coach Prime in his prime, was one of the most premier world class athletes on the planet. Bo Jackson was the same thing. They're nowhere near now where they were then. That doesn't mean they're not great athletes. It means they're not world-class anymore. They didn't fit in the particular sports. Bo Jackson, because of injuries. Deion Sanders, maybe as he got older. Um, basketball is the same thing when Michael Jackson, or Michael Jackson, Michael Jordan retired. When all those things happened, um, we saw people that were no longer at their peak physically. Um, but what about our leaders in Congress? What about these men and women? Uh, Elizabeth Warren, 73 years old, just announced her reelection. But you've got Dianne Feinstein, who is – it's a shame. I mean I don't agree with anything she's ever done politically. But she seems to be losing her mental faculties. She was asked about her not running for reelection. She forgot that they had put out a statement saying she wasn't running for reelection. Mitch McConnell is just coming back off a slip and fall in a serious injury. Um, my problem with politics is unlike every other industry it, that stays healthy and thriving, it depends on the older generation to be mentoring the younger generation. Churches. I know churches do this. Uh, I know a pastor specifically, a friend of mine, and he's not the only one. It's it's called the the, the Timothy idea where Paul mentored Timothy, uh, mentoring people that will eventually replace you. Mentoring people. My buddy Rob is is, is world class at this. Um, building a leadership team of people and allowing people to thrive in what they do well. Um, and it keeps the church healthy with a new generation taking over in leadership when the time comes. Um, when it comes to sports, when it comes to the executive world and the business world, healthy companies have always got mid-level executives that they're earmarking for mentoring programs so that when the day comes – that the older generation steps aside from leadership and takes their money and what they've made and built in a company and they live out their days in retirement. They have suitable replacements for them at the executive level. We don't do that in politics largely. There are some. There are some. But you look at all the new name people that are jumping in all the time across the country in politics that have never done anything whatsoever when it comes to this world. Now, that doesn't mean you have to be a career politician. But what it does mean is you should be mentoring young people. I've talked about the YRs. They're called Young Republicans. Um, you, the, and this is because I'm a, I'm a Republican. I'm sure they have the YDs as well. But the young Republicans and you have these organizations. There is a great training organization for women. Um, and it is called Doty London Training. And it is named after Doty London, who are the Republican headquarters was named after. Uh, the Doty London Training is for any woman out there that wants to learn about politics. It is a phenomenal training program right here in Arizona. You can learn everything from working on a campaign to running for an office, whatever it is you want to know, but they're training new people and trying to get them interested and bring them in. So they exist. But we see more and more often you have people that have been around for so long, for so many decades, and um, and then they, they just become where they're not at their peak anymore. But worse than that, who are they training up? When you look at, even at the Supreme Court level, when you see Supreme Court justices, you find out that they clerked for a Supreme Court justice. 
that they were a clerk for a, you know, th- these are people that m- were mentored by some of the great legal minds. Why are we not doing more of that in American politics? Ronald Reagan didn't become Ronald Reagan until 1984 when he won re-election by winning 49 states. But Ronald Reagan said he would have never been Ronald Reagan if it hadn't been for Barry Goldwater. So who is it? Who is going to be the next political leader in our country that says we have got to mentor the next generation? I'm not going to be around forever. I want to make sure that I'm leaving something behind to the next generation of leadership that someday will say I wouldn't be me if it wasn't for this person. And in American politics, it seems non-existent. In American politics, it seems like once you get in that office, you do whatever you have to do to hang on to that office until you die in that office. Is it doing a disservice to Americans? And it's not party. This isn't Republican versus Democrat. I'm saying as a whole, it's hanging on to that power so long and worse yet, not passing what you know onto a younger generation that can take this to the next level. And I just think it better come back. The country needs it. Coming up just after 11 o'clock, we are going to have, and I'm sure we will in the news in just a moment, have an update on what happened in Nashville. I'll give you an update here on my end about what we know and what we've learned, and we'll talk about policing in general. So all of that's coming up next.